Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, the state of Canadian defence. Our focus was not on uh, which side gets credit for what. One suspected spy balloon, three other unknown flying objects, all shot down by U.S. planes, even in Canadian skies. Can this country defend its own territory? We will speak to members of Parliament about the issue, and we'll speak to the former Chief of Defence Staff Tom Lawson about the alleged spy game going on over North American skies. And... I apologize to my wife, Barb, and to my family, who I've let down more than anyone else. Toronto's mayor is stepping down amid scandal, so where does that leave this country's biggest city home to some 200 linguistic communities responsible for 20% of Canada's GDP? Does Toronto Council have anyone who can take on the job? This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. NATO's Secretary General is urging vigilance. Jens Stoltenberg worried about suspected spy balloons shot down over North America this past week. We saw over the United States, I visited the United States last week, is part of a pattern uh, where China but also Russia are increasing their intelligence and surveillance activities against NATO allies with many different platforms. We see it in cyber. And we see it uh, with satellites, more and more satellites, and we see it then uh, with uh, balloons. Uh, that highlights the importance of uh, our vigilance, uh, our increased uh, uh, presence, um, uh, and also that we ramp up and step up uh, how we share intelligence and how we uh, monitor and protect our airspace. Now, since February the 4th, four objects have been shot down. Only one has been confirmed to be a Chinese balloon. All others are still being investigated. But one of those objects was shot down over Yukon, not by a Canadian fighter jet, but by U.S. warplanes and missiles, which led one MP to say Canada does not have the capacity to defend its sovereignty, a comment that the Prime Minister was asked about today. NORAD is a joint command, uh, which means uh, we do things together over North America. And uh, there were Canadian and American fighter jets uh, scrambled to intercept the, uh, the object uh, and to take it down. Uh, it was uh, very much based on the context and the situations of who was there, uh, who had the capacity to do it before uh, we lost the object into darkness or into situations. Um, our focus was not on uh, which side gets credit for what. Our focus was on running the operation smoothly and successfully. That's what NORAD is all about, and that's a perfect example of how seamlessly we work together. So the Prime Minister is saying it's about getting the job done. To talk about this, we're now joined by Brian May. He is the Parliamentary Secretary for the Minister of Defence, also the Liberal MP for the riding of Cambridge in Ontario. James Bazan is the Conservative Member of Parliament for Selkirk, Interlake, Eastman in Manitoba. He is also Vice Chair of the Standing Committee on National Defence. And Daniel Blakey is the NDP MP for Elmwood, Transcona in Manitoba. Hello to the three of you. 
Hello. Hello. Uh, Mr. Bazan, I'm going to ask you to start us out here uh, because it was your caucus colleague, Michael Chong, who over the weekend raised the issue of Canada's defense preparedness. What do you make of the prime minister's response? Well, first and foremost, I just want to thank uh, all the members of Canadian Armed Forces and those uh, of the U.S. military who all serve with NORAD for getting the job done. And I would just uh, suggest that, um, you know, the, the language that the prime minister used earlier this week was uh, misnomer. There's no way he can order the U.S. Air Force to shoot down anything, never mind a balloon. Uh, and so it, it is really the, the NORAD uh, construct that allows us to be in a position where we can have uh, this type of uh, reliable continental security. Uh, and it, it just speaks to the fact that uh, Justin Trudeau and these liberals have not taken our national sovereignty uh, seriously. They haven't taken our, our continental security seriously. They haven't invested in NORAD the way it should be. They've been dithering the lane to finally buy the F-35s that we should have bought 10 years ago. And here, here we are in a situation that uh, our CF-18s can't even uh, access uh, the, the outer limits that we need to be at to shoot down things like balloons, never mind defend ourselves from incursions from, from other military uh, as, as an aerial threat. Mr. May, I wonder what you have to say about it, because Conservatives may be speaking about it, but just listening to, to talk radio this morning, they're not the only Canadians who think what happened over the weekend is a bad sign uh, that U.S. jets had to essentially shoot down this object in Canadian skies. What do you say to Canadians who are of that view? Uh, I, I obviously disagree uh, with, uh, with my honourable colleague, and he knows very well how NORAD works. Uh, we have a, a, an amazing uh, group of men and women in the Canadian Armed Forces working within the joint NORAD structure, command structure. Uh, and, it, and yes, the Prime Minister uh, did in fact order uh, NORAD to uh, shoot down uh, this, this object over, over the Yukon. Uh, and I think that it's, it's incredibly important to, to really highlight how seamless that process is between Canada and, and the United States. We have a, an amazing system within NORAD, and we need to continue uh, to work seamlessly to deal with these issues. Uh, Mr. Blakey, what's your take? How concerned should Canadians be if it requires a U.S. jet to shoot something down over <clears throat> Canadian soil? Well, I think this is an opportunity to remember that even in peacetime, there is an important job for uh, men and women in the Canadian Armed Forces to do, and, uh, and that they need appropriate equipment in order to, to, to be able to do that. I think that um, in the context of the serious concern that, ex that Canadians are experiencing, wondering kind of where these objects come from and what the intent behind them is, it just feels kind of petty to be arguing about who finally made the order or whatever it is that folks want to debate. I think what we should be looking to government for um, is a clear uh, statement about the integrity of Canadian airspace and, and a reminder to the world of our expectations about our airspace and uh, and the work within NORAD in order to deliver on those expectations. And what we saw was that that worked well in this instance and we should be thinking about how we can uh, ensure that if this is, first of all, how do we prevent it from happening again at all? And second of all, if it is going to happen again, how we have an appropriate response that protects Canadian and North American airspace uh, without escalating, uh, without escalating uh, conflict. Yeah. Mr. Bazan, what's your response to that? Uh, NORAD more than the nuts and bolts of who has the plane? 
Well, we have to increase our funding. We have to counter these threats by having a stronger military. We need to make sure that our intelligence systems and our alliances with our allies uh, are, are strengthened. Uh, we are uh, being reliable uh, as we play a part in NATO and especially here in NORAD as we look at our own uh, continental security and the role that we play in defending the North. I think that uh, the Liberals just haven't taken any of this seriously. They've been slow in investing in NORAD and our early warning sy uh, systems. They have been slow off the mark by playing political games instead of buying the F-35 earlier uh, than, than, than just making that announcement in the last month. And we know that they haven't taken foreign interference in Canada in any serious uh, form or fashion. So uh, it is a situation that we have to address very quickly. Uh, we have to uh, increase our ability to monitor these threats. We have to be able to intercept them quicker and Canada needs to play a bigger role so that we don't have a situation where the Prime Minister can request, he cannot order the, the U.S. to shoot down uh, objects in Canadian airspace. Um, but, uh, and I just like to remind those watching that the NORAD, the way it works is the NORAD commander and, and the deputy commander report to the President of the United States and the Minister of National Defense and the commander in chief of the Canadian Armed Forces is the Governor General acting on behalf of the King of Canada. Uh, Mr. May, what, what's your response to those uh, charges? Well, look, I, I will agree with the first part of what uh, Mr. Bazan said in his statement there that we need to continue to do more. And that's why last June we announced one of the largest, uh, the largest uh, investment uh, in NORAD in a generation, nearly $40 billion over the next 20 years to modernize NORAD. Uh, we, we have already moved on uh, bringing in companies like NASA Keat Corporation to, to maintain the North Warning System. We've connected uh, with the, uh, excuse me, the fighter jets that he was referring to. We announced that, uh, that we finalized that contract to buy 88 of the F-35 fighter jets. We agree, we need to continue to do more. Uh, this suggestion, however, that uh, we are not uh, an equal player on, on, on NORAD is, is, is disrespectful to the members of the Canadian Armed Forces. It's disrespectful to the members of the Canadian Armed Forces that are there to, that are tasked to keep us safe each and every day. Uh, Mr. Bazan, I know you're trying to get in there. What did you want to say? I was just saying that the Prime Minister is not part of the chain of command. I'm not d d d d at all insulting NORAD. I think it's it's one of the most important uh, defense agreements in, in the and, world. And it in worked exactly it, as it was intended to work uh, right. this, in they the last couple of weeks. The Prime Minister to make the request. It worked exactly and as it was intended to work. Let's be clear on the point. <laughs> Prime Minister had to call President Biden saying, can you please shoot down this oh, aircraft because on, it was so James. slow in, in investing in our CF-18 upgrades that we don't even have the Sidewinder missiles to do it. I, I don't think this is the conversation Canadians are hoping exactly. that we're going to be exactly. having and we're getting squabbling, frankly, from both sides. Both sides have been in government at various times and have failed to be able to procure equipment that the Canadian Armed Forces need. So this is a long-standing problem. And what we need is leadership to figure out how we get past the squabbling and actually do the job. I think that's what Canadians are more interested to see. And unfortunately, it's not on display this afternoon. Okay. Well, uh, unfortunately, we're also out of time, but really appreciate the three of you uh, stepping in today to talk to us about the matter. So to uh, Mr. May, to James Bazan, as well as Mr. Blakey, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Sir. Thank you. Anytime.
Well, let's stay on the topic and bring into the conversation right now retired General Tom Lawson. From 2012 to 2015, he served as Canada's Chief of Defence Staff and is also a former Deputy Commander of NORAD. General Lawson, thank you for being with us tonight. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Listen, I'd like to start with your reaction uh, to that tweet. Again, it's from MP Michael Chong, who said hard questions need to be asked about the state of the armed forces if Canada must rely on a U.S. jet to take down an unauthorized object in Canadian skies. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Well, as someone who cares very deeply about defense, uh, anytime any of our elected officials uh, decide it's time to take a good close look at uh, defense, I'm for it. Uh, what they find is that uh, defense is in uh, great need of more resources, uh, uh, better equipment, and uh, and more people. But I actually think uh, the MP has the wrong issue here. Uh, Canada has new fighters already on the way, and they've spent a lot of money keeping these ones upgraded. They're up to the task. Uh, and the fact that it was uh, our American friends, partners in NORAD, who shot this down, uh, is just representative of the fact that we have a really good relationship with them in a NORAD agreement that's been around uh, like it is uh, for 65 years. Is it fair to say, though, that, that perhaps too many Canadians are complacent about uh, Canadian defence, thinking that the country is isolated on top of the U.S., that really there are no harms that could come to this country? Yeah, I think that is fair. Um, Canada and... Uh, uh, its elected officials have always, nearly always taken a discount on defense, and why not? I mean, we're up in the uh, cold upper left corner of every map, probably less threatened than most nations. But the fact of it is, Canadians expect that their military uh, will be used by the government to move into problem areas around the world, play the away game, uh, uh, if you will. And whenever we decide to do that, we, we typically find that if it's been a while since we've done that, um, that our forces are uh, largely under-resourced. So yes, uh, I think uh, that this is a, another really good time to take a look at the military, and if it's in the state we need it to be, I think we'll find that it is not. Okay, uh, let's move on now to these unauthorized objects. Uh, one we know is a Chinese balloon, the other three have yet to be uh, officially identified, I guess is a good way of putting it. Do you suspect that they are all Chinese balloons? Could they be anything else? The answer is they could be something else. Uh, it'd be embarrassing to find out that uh, any of these uh, actually uh, originated on uh, North American territory. Um, but I, I suspect that these have all come uh, uh, via the stratosphere from the West and, and likely uh, from China. It could be wrong. Uh, that is, and I think our elected officials uh, are being correctly very hesitant uh, as they gather up uh, the shrapnel and what's left over from shooting these things down uh, via the technological footprints uh, and fingerprints, they're going to find out uh, who sent these across. And then there's going to be some tough questions to be answered. Okay, can you talk to us about uh, the, the kind of security threat these present then? Because again, balloons, unidentified objects, how do they present any type of threat to Canada and to the U.S.? Right. So the threats that, you know, the typical Canadian thinks of uh, are, are threats to uh, oneself. Uh, and it's it's a reasonable reaction. These don't these balloons, uh, none that we've seen carry any sort of kinetic threat, explosives, nuclear devices, anything at all. Unless you happen to be out in your backyard when one of these things comes down, uh, they present no uh, threat, no direct 
physical threat. However, in the long game of intelligence, they do. Um, you know, it's another airborne asset of uh, a nation, uh, certainly the first one, China, which comes across a relatively difficult to detect and uh, gathers electronic information and intelligence uh, and pictures. Uh, and there's a certain amount of maneuverability that allows them to spend more time over top of interesting sites uh, than satellites. So that's an intelligence game. And that does speak to the security of Canada and the United States. And it's something that should concern us militarily. But once we get from the military threat, what we're really into is diplomacy. Um, all nations in the world understand uh, sovereignty, and it's, it's remarkable uh, that the Chinese have uh, decided to have a program in which they loose balloons up on the stratosphere into the territory that belongs to those people who they would also, I think, like to have a good relationship with uh, so that they can trade with them. So watching this at a distance as you are now being retired, what would your advice be to the Canadian government as to how to proceed? Well, I, I think they're taking the right steps. Um, you know, NORAD, this is their bread and butter. And the commander of NORAD is uh, answering to the prime minister and the president and other elected officials in tweaking his sensors now to be looking very carefully for these things. It's, uh, you know, it was not a threat uh, that NORAD was expecting because in terms of kinetics, um, you know, NORAD uh, was uh, optimized to intercept fast moving things that, that brought in explosives. Uh, so um, they're doing the right things, uh, and uh, they're now speaking very carefully. And prior to these balloons uh, being uh, being detected last week, uh, they were speaking, uh, making the right statements regarding the upgrade of NORAD sensors in a way that would provide uh, an optima uh, optimized sensor system for anything approaching uh, the uh, North American sovereign soil. And, of course, Canadian Force is very much involved in retrieving uh, what is left of two of those objects. So we'll be watching it very closely. Uh, for now, though, General Lawson, really appreciate the time. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Now, you might be wondering why all these objects are being identified in such a short time frame. John Kirby is the national security spokesman for the U.S. White House. He says part of the answer may be found in the extra vigilance NORAD is now deploying in the wake of that first Chinese balloon. And to General Lawson's point, why both Canadian and U.S. officials are taking their time before identifying the other objects that were shot down. Now, in light of the Chinese balloon program and this recent incursion into our airspace, the United States and Canada, through NORAD, have been more closely scrutinizing that airspace, including enhancing our radar capabilities, which, as the commander of NORTHCOM and NORAD, General Van Herc, said just last night, may at least partially explain the increase in the objects that have been detected. Slow-moving objects at high altitude with a small radar cross-section are difficult to detect on radar. Even objects the size of a, the Chinese spy balloon, which had a payload the size of roughly three school buses, were not picked up by previous administrations or other countries. We also know that a range of entities, including countries, companies, research and academic organizations, operate objects at these altitudes for purposes that are not nefarious at all, including scientific research. That said, because we have not yet been able to defi definitively assess what these most recent objects are, we acted out of an abundance of caution to protect the security, our security, our interest, and flight safety. In Saturday's case, 
We acted in consultation with the Canadian government, the president speaking personally with, the, with Prime Minister Trudeau. The country's premiers took part in a virtual meeting today to discuss what they would do with the Trudeau offer on health care funding. Now, the premiers did not hold a news conference, but the New Brunswick premier did speak to members of his province's legislative press gallery. He says the premiers are moving forward despite getting less than hoped for, but now every jurisdiction will have to look at how they can deliver health care differently without the dollars they wanted. I have to caution that the, the money that's being allocated here is not is not a windfall of of any sort. I mean, it, it's 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 certainly better than than uh, not having a, an increase at all for for sure. But but it's um, as I mentioned, it's a small small component of what our total healthcare spend is. And also, there's a limitation on what we're what we're actually able to do. So you know, how many surgeries can we perform? Um, what innovation do we need to look at in the system in order to get better uh, better outcomes? I think the limited funding here is a, is kind of an indication that um, we have to look at how we manage healthcare differently, and every province has to do that. Um, and I've said here before that I think New Brunswick is, is can be a leader in that regard because I think we we have a, a higher capability both for in terms of uh, personnel and and in terms of uh, um, physical infrastructure and resources. So if we utilize that to our full uh, to the fullness. Um, I think we will see uh, some major improvements in, in New Brunswick healthcare just by managing it better. John Tory will still be in office for at least a few more days. The Toronto mayor says he will stay on to introduce the city budget he crafted for the fiscal year ahead. But will he stay on to see that budget passed? If so, it could mean John Tory will remain Toronto mayor for weeks to come, despite his news conference announcing his resignation last Friday. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards to which I hold myself as mayor and as a family man. The relationship ended by mutual consent earlier this year. During the course of our relationship some time ago, the employee decided to pursue employment outside City Hall and secured a job elsewhere. I recognize that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. It came at a time when Barb, my wife of 40 plus years, and I were enduring many lengthy periods apart while I carried out my responsibilities during the pandemic. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. Well, with more on Mayor Tory's decision to step down, we're now joined by Toronto City Councillor Paula Fletcher. She represents the city's Ward 14 and has done so since 2003. Councillor Fletcher, it's been a while. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. Listen, uh, Mayor Tory has made it known that he'll be leaving, but as you and I speak, the timeline around that still seems really fuzzy. How problematic is that? I think it's really fuzzy because uh, with the strong mayor powers that he sought secretly during the last municipal election and then they were given by the Ford government, the budget that we're going to be deliberating on Wednesday is his budget. It's the mayor's budget. It's not no longer the council's budget. And the powers under the strong mayor are non-transferable. So I think he has to be there in order to actually have the budget debated. And that's been this stretch of time between saying I'm resigning and um, I'm actually 
handing in my resignation. Two different things, Michael. And I guess part of the problem here is that when you talk about the budget, we're talking about billions of dollars uh, to a city that, you know, stretches from the wealthiest of the wealthy to to a city that really has some strong needs and, and are looking for some guidance. We have our budget at $16 billion. Yes, billion dollars. It's larger. It's the largest budget of any city in Canada. Quite frankly, it's larger than some provincial budgets. And the um, we need to we need to get about, and we has to be balanced. As you know, all city budgets in Ontario must be balanced. We can't we can't leave a deficit, and they're always balanced. So, this is what we're going to do on wednesday there are some areas where we think there's maybe more needs that haven't been met by the budget committee or the mayor yet but i just want to emphasize that we wouldn't have the pressures on us that we do if it weren't for this strong mayor powers that that the mayor sought and was given by doug ford and for people who don't live in ontario that is as you said it it comes from the ontario premier extended to uh, both mayor tory of toronto mayor mark sutcliffe of ottawa mayor sutcliffe said no to the powers but mayor tory accepted them well, I think Mayor Tory admitted he asked for them, actually. But uh, I, in this upcoming by-election, because we're going to have to have a by-election, assuming the mayor actually does resign, then I certainly will not support a mayor candidate that says they want to use these powers, which will be very surprising to people across Canada, a veto power over decisions. And the shocking one, instead of a majority vote, uh, one-third vote can carry something. The mayor can say, no, we're going to re-vote, and with eight votes, then everything can pass. It's really unprecedented, highly undemocratic, and I certainly wouldn't support anybody that wanted to use those. So bravo to Mayor Sutcliffe in, in Ottawa. So again, so that the timeline, the Mayor Tory accepts these uh, these powers and now is resigning amid this scandal. You, As I said, you've been a councillor since 2003. You've been there for almost 20 years. Uh, and that is we should point out, longer than Mayor Tory in Toronto Council. So what's your reaction to the revelation of this relationship and the decision to resign? Um, Well, I did live through and was a councillor in the Rob Ford era and the David Miller mayor. And I've seen a lot in my time. This reaction, he said he had a lapse in judgment, and yes, he did. I think the real lapse in judgment was deciding to run for a third term, knowing that he had this... uh, issue with this relationship that could come up and emerge at any time. So he kind of, these decisions, which uh, perhaps are total lapses in judgment, have really put the city in a difficult place. We're only 12 weeks into our term for this council term, and we have uh, a mayor who's now leaving that ran for a third term. Uh, People think it it's it's quite odd. I think it's quite odd, but our city council needs to be firm and resolute the same way we were during the time that we had all the issues with, uh, with um, Mayor Ford. We stayed strong. We were very mature, and I think this council can be the same way. But these are really the issues that are in front of us. I think it's really sad that we're in this situation. I'm very disappointed we find ourselves in this situation. As Canada's largest city, a lot of people depending on us, many different big problems. We shouldn't be spending all our time you dealing know, with something like this. Before we're done, I do want to ask you, though, what kind of training do counselors get about workplace relationships? How strictly is that policy enforced? Well, we do have a code of conduct. 
um, you know, city government is one where mostly the issues that we're dealing with are not taking, making sure that we're not attracted by the many dollars that flow here, that we're not overly lobbied, that we're not um, being compromised in any way. I think a workplace relationship is a workplace relationship. In this case, it was one that he's disclosed with being a staff member and being the CEO, because the mayor is the CEO and, the, uh, and now the strong mayor, it just bear, gives extra weight to what might be considered an inappropriate relationship by him, which has been considered by him and by many other people. I think people are very disappointed in what seemed like a very straight-laced mayor to find out that this has been going on for a number of years. Well, certainly people well outside Toronto are watching all of this very closely. Uh, Councillor Fletcher, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Michael. And that is our program for this Monday evening. I'm Michael Serapio. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for joining us. We'll see you again tomorrow.